This week's Torah portion is the portion of Ayakel and the portion of Shkolim. In other words, we take out two Sifrei Torah, two Torah scrolls. The first one we read, the portion of Ayakel, and the second we read the chapter of Kisisa dealing with the mitzvah of giving a half a dollar to the Holy Temple for the yearly sacrifices, korbanos, that were brought on behalf of all the Jewish people. Comes the question to mind, what is the connection between these two portions? The fact that they read in these two portions, the same Shabbos, means that they also have a deeper connection between one and the other. To understand this, I'm shat, remez, druz, On the most simple level, on the level of pshat, both of these portions deal with the concept of truma, to take off a part of one's money and to dedicate it for God. We find here in the parish of Ayakel, in verse number 5, it says, Kuchu mi'ilchem truma la'ashem, that you shall take from yourselves a truma, a portion for God, and therefore to dedicate for the building of the Holy Temple. And similarly, in the portion of Kisisa, the portion of Shekalim, the second Torah that is read, we also say the terminology, Truma Lashem Kisisa, when you will elevate and you will count the heads of the people of Israel, they shall give and you shall take from them Truma, a tithe, a portion that is dedicated for Almighty God. In Kisisa, we are referring to primarily the half a dollars. In Vayakel, you can give as much as you want, in order to build the temple. So this is, on a simple level, the connection between these two readings of the Shabbos. What is the name of the hint? The concept of Vayakhil, to gather, alludes to the ultimate ingathering of all the Jewish people, of all generations, of all countries, of all four corners of the world, through Moses. As the Talmud says, Moshe Rabbeinu, he is the first redeemer and he is the ultimate redeemer. That he will come and bring back and gather all the Jewish people of our generation and from the previous generations to bring them back to the land of Israel. And this will be done through Kisisa, through elevating the heads. In other words, through the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael by the fact that we will love each other and care for each other. As we say every morning before we begin to pray, I take upon myself the mitzvah to love my fellow as myself. This is the foundation of the entire Torah. This is the general rule of the entire Torah. And this will bring about the ultimate redemption of Kibbutz Golius, that once again there will be the ultimate vayakhel, the ultimate ingathering of all the Jewish people. What is the drush? What is the homiletics? The mitzvah of machsis ha-shekel, the mitzvah of giving half a dollar, which was done in the time of the temple. And today, this is also done before the holiday of Purim, usually at Mincha time, on the Tainus Esther, on the fast of Esther, a few hours before the reading of the Megillah. But those who did not give at that time could also give 
at the time of the reading of the Megillah at night or in the morning or the next day. This concept of a half a dollar, which is for tzedakah and charity today, really is contrary to everything we know in Judaism. Because in Torah, in the Holy Temple, when we deal with holy things, the Torah teaches us it has to be complete. For example, when you bring a sacrifice on the altar, it has to be the most beautiful animal. And the animal cannot be missing a foot or an arm. See, look, I'm not going to eat it anyway. Might as well give it to God. On the contrary, the finest, the nicest. Not only must the animal have every complete limb, but there cannot be a blemish on the animal. The entire animal is inspected for perfection. And only then do you offer it up to God. Similarly, the, the vessels in the Holy Temple that were used throughout the day. You couldn't bring or use a broken vessel, a vessel with a hole or a crack or a chip on it. If it wasn't perfect, boom, you threw it out. Why? When you're standing before God, only the best, only the most beautiful. There's no place of poverty in a place of, of wealth. Thirdly, the kehanim, the priests that were serving in the base of Midrash, they too needed to be perfect. If they were not perfect, if they had a blemish, if one finger on one hand was missing, or one finger on one hand was abnormal, they couldn't be a koi, they couldn't serve in the temple. If one eye was missing, and they had to wear a patch on their eye, they couldn't serve in the holy temple. So even the kahanim that were performing this work had to be perfect. And yet, the Torah tells us now, you should give a half a dollar, an incomplete dollar. It's contrary to everything that the holy temple stands for. And that is to serve God with a complete heart. To serve God with, with everything you have. And wholesomeness and, and perfection. So the answer, according to Drush, is that this represents the importance of Achtus Israel, the unity amongst Jewish people. And that is, each person, when he gives a half a dollar in his mind and his heart, he needs to know that I am incomplete unless I unite with another Jew, unless I unite with another person. If I create divisiveness in my community, or if I create separatism, then I am incomplete. I could be the greatest tzaddik in the world and pray all day and all night. You cannot serve God. The only way you can truly serve God is by connecting with another Jew, another person, and together you make a complete shekel, a complete atonement, a complete gift to Almighty God. What is the concept of soid? What is the concept of the esoteric? Here the Torah tells us, pertaining to the half dollars, that you need to give a half a dollar. And a half a dollar is 20 gaita of a complete shekel. Now, if I only have to give a half a dollar, it should say, give a half a dollar, which is 10 gaita. If a whole shekel is 20 gaita, then a half a shekel is 10 gaita. So we should say, give a half a shekel, which is 10 gaita. Yet the Torah says, no, give a half a shekel, which is a half of a shekel, and a shekel is 20 gaita. 
What is the idea of 20 Gator? Why 20? So according to Kabbalah, the number 20, Esrim, if you spell out the word Esrim, Ayin, Shin, Reish, Yud, Mem, it equals the same as Keser, which is the crown, the crown of God, which is 620. In other words, by the fact that we are giving a half a shekel, and another Jew is giving a half a shekel, it now becomes 20 gator. We become one with God's crown. We become one with Almighty God. That is the idea according to Soyid, according to Kabbalah. How does Hasidus look at this? And how does it connect again to the Pasha of Ayakhel? There's a famous teaching from the Magad of Mezrich. And he says, when the Torah commands us to make to make two bugles or two trumpets, he says that the word can be read make for yourself two half of forms. Two half of forms. We are half a form and God is half a form. And the purpose of giving this half a dollar is to tell us that we are only half. We are incomplete and we are insignificant unless we are connecting ourselves with Almighty God. God is what completes us. And more than that, we are, are wanting, we are yearning, we are desiring to connect with God and, and to leave the physical and to ascend to a higher reality that our desires and our objective and our purpose and our love is to connect with God. And therefore, yes, we are giving a half a shekel. How much is a half a shekel? Ten gaita. Ten gaita represents the eser, koiches, and nefesh, the ten attributes, the three intellectual and the seven emotional. In other words, when I serve God, I am serving God with all of my ten attributes, my, all of my emotions, all of my intellect. I'm totally focused on serving God. Which, by the way, interestingly, this is the idea of a, a personal minion. That it's not enough that you go and you dive with ten people in a shul and a minion. Let's say you cannot find a minion. Or even if you're in the shul with a minion, you have to have an inner minion. Which means to dive in with all your ten faculties. You have to be focused on every word, to connect with every word, to connect with God. You can't simply make lip service and think about the baseball game, think about the stock market, think about the grocery store. There has to be a total union in your entire body of a yakhel to gather together, an ingathering of all of these ten levels of the soul. And then we connect with God with the ten spherot, with God's ten attributes. Once this happens, a new reality takes place. And that is we reach the level of Keser. We reach the level of God's crown, which means we ascend from the physical world. We are beyond the physical. We are no longer an individual. We are no longer independent. On the contrary, we become part of something a lot larger and a lot bigger, which is, which is Almighty's crown, which is beyond time and beyond space. Today, we don't have a temple. We hope and pray every day it's going to come. But in the interim, the idea of a machsas shekel of giving the half a dollars represents tzedakah, represents charity. When it comes to giving charity, 
there are basically three levels of charity. There's the obligation of giving 10%. And then there is those who go, who go beyond the letter of the law. Or do the mitzvah completely give 20%. And then there's the concept of giving even beyond that. And that is, to give the atonement for the soul. As the Altarev explains in Tanya, that even though one should not give more than 20% of his earnings to charity, that is true when you're talking about a healthy person. A person who's perfect, who doesn't need any atonement, but a person who perhaps made a mistake, and all of us are imperfect today. In the time of the Holy Temple, you were able to bring karbanis, you were able to bring sacrifices to atone for these mistakes. Today there are no sacrifices. And therefore one can give even beyond 20% of their earnings to tzedakah. And the example that the Altarebi gives is that if a person is, God forbid, sick, has a terrible sickness, and he has to go to the doctor. And the doctor is going to say for this treatment, it's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. A person is going to say, well, I want to live, no matter what it costs. I'll mortgage my house, and I'll mortgage my summer house, and I'll give up my vacations. Why? Because I have to serve, I have to live. So my life is more precious than all the money in the world. And the same is true spiritually, and even more so spiritually, that to live an eternal life, and to be connected to God, which is the eternal God, the person is allowed to, and even can, and should give more than 20%, which is kafir nashr, which is the meaning of the atonement of the soul. And this is the idea of making God a dwelling place. The whole purpose of the soul coming down to this world the whole purpose of why we are here is to make a dira loy yizbari v'tachtonim to make for him, for God, a dwelling place down here in this world. In other words, the focus is God, to make for God a dwelling place. Yes, we are, we are the pawns, we are the foot soldiers, we are participating. But it's not about us, it's not about the individual. It's about fulfilling the goal. It's about what does God need and what does God want. And that is also the connection to the parasha of Ayakhel. We know that many times Vayakel and Pekudei, the last two portions of the book of Shemos, are read together. This year it's read separately. Pekudei is all about taking an accounting of how many shekels were donated for the Holy Temple. It's about the details. When you talk about the details, you're talking about the person. When we're talking about Vayakel, which is the general congregation of Israel, here, it's not about the details anymore. It's about the general picture, which is, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about getting the job done. It's about what does God need? What does God want? <clears throat> so therefore, we have the parsha of Vayakel. We have the parsha of Kisisa. To give the half a dollars, to give from ourselves our entire essence, to connect to a higher reality, and through this, to bring about the ultimate Vayakel to bring about the ultimate ingathering, starting with ourselves to have peace, inner peace, and tranquility, that the mind and the heart become one, and ultimately the, the ultimate peace, when we bring together from all four corners of the world, Am Yisrael, and together with that, the nations of the world, to flock and to stream towards the Holy Land of Israel and the rebuilding of the Third Holy Temple.
to, to end with one, one story, we know that the famous Napoleon wanted to conquer the entire world. And he had an affinity to great Torah scholars and to great holy people. And whenever he had the chance and opportunity to meet with someone that was truly unique and, and holy and special, he would make that, that attempt to connect with that person. We know that he met with Nachman of Breslev. And this story in particular deals with the famous Rabbi Chaim of Olajin, the successor of the Goyen of Vilna. He heard about the great Abhaim of Elohim, and he wanted his advice. He wanted his opinion. He says, will I conquer Russia? Will I have the power to be victorious or not? Abhaim of Elohim said to him as follows. He said, dear Napoleon, the king, your highness, I would like to give you a parable. I've seen this parable written a bit different in different places, but the theme is the same. And the parable goes like this. There was a prince, and the prince had four amazing horses. And they were going through the forest, running through the forest. And all of a sudden, the horses fell into a ditch. And they began to sink with quicksand. And the driver was hitting the horses to try to get them out. To no avail, it wasn't working. They couldn't get out. While they're there and they're trying to slip out the horses and to no avail, there's another person driving through the forest. Seems to be a peasant with three horses. And these horses are thin, not so beautiful, not so glorious. And they also fall into the same ditch. And the rider, the driver gives it a few hits. And all of a sudden, the horses strengthened themselves and they slept themselves out with the entire wagon and they, they're free. The prince sees what's going on. He has the most beautiful horses in the world. And this, and this peasant has these three little meek horses. He walks over to the peasant and says, Tell me, how'd you do it? My horses are still schlepping over here. We're still hitting them. They're still screaming. We can't get them out. And your horses, like, no problem, got in, got out. And the peasant turns to the prince and says, Your royalty, your highness, you see, there's no doubt that your horses are better than mine. The best thoroughbreds in the world. But your horses came from four different locations, from different, four different countries. You got the best of every country and you put it together. But they're not family. Every time you hit them, they go in different directions. Each horse is better than the other. They have to show off for the other. I'm from Spain, I'm from Italy, I'll show you, I'll show you. Now they fall into a ditch, each one is trying to survive themselves. Each one is trying to get out on their own. They couldn't care less about the other three horses. You see, my horses are not so fancy, but it's a mother and two sons. They're working together. One gets stuck, the other two slept them out. <coughs> the same is true with you, Napoleon. You are Napoleon, you have the best armies the best soldiers in the world. You can't meet to fight against Russia. A bunch of peasants. But the difference, the difference is very simple. Each of your soldiers is independent. Each of your soldiers wants to show off to the other one. Each army wants to outdo the other army. They couldn't care less if the other soldier goes down. They want to be the hero. But the Russians, 
The simple people, they drink together, and they dance together, and they sing together. They're friends. They may not be as great as your army, but Russia will be victorious over France. And that's what happened. They were defeated at the river crossing at Regina in Russia, and the rest is history. But the lesson of this story is very important for the parsha. Vayakel Moshe, that's Kaladat Bnei Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu wants to build a mishkan. He wants to build a house for God. He gathers together all the Jewish people. He says, guys, for us to build a temple for God, we need to be united. And there has to be peace amongst each and every one of us. For God does not dwell in a broken vessel. And yes, we have complaints, and perhaps legitimate complaints. We have to overlook it. Just like when you're married, you love each other, you overlook all the shortcomings of your spouse. When you have children, your children are the best in the world, even though they have imperfections. We overlook it as not so terrible, who really cares? That's the same way you have to look at your friend. When you have a kvetch or a complaint about your friend, ask yourself, hold on, if this was my child, if this was my, my spouse, would I have the same complaint against them or would I overlook it? And this is the way we're going to build a beautiful home for Almighty God. And this is the way we're going to build a sanctuary for Almighty God. And this is the way we're going to see the ultimate ge'ula, the ultimate redemption of Ayakil. God will gather together all the Jewish people from all the generations. And Kisisa Esroish, he will lift up our heads with pride and with dignity with the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days.